We really think European butter from France is the best butter. And our friend, the expert baker and best-selling cookbook author David Leibovitz agrees. Check out our recent episode with David to find out how he cooks with quality butter. And for recipes, tips, and cooking advice, go to tasteeurope.com. The week before we knew we were getting reviewed was probably one of the saddest weeks I've ever experienced as a business owner because we were so behind on bill payment and we were so broke and like slow for dinner and it was like New Year's and no one was coming in and it was like crying in my car when I got to work thinking like I'm going to have to lay somebody off today. Like it was fucking depressing. You're listening to The Taste Podcast. I'm Editor-in-Chief Matt Rodbard. Here with senior editor Anna Hiesel. Nicole Rucker is a baker, recipe developer, and owner of the Los Angeles restaurant Fiona. Also on the show, Smitten Kitchen's Deb Perlman answering a reader question. But Matt, tell me about Nicole. Nicole Rucker, what a cool conversation. We talked about Los Angeles, the city she calls home, and what it's like to open and run a restaurant there. We also talk about the pie game and her time spent entering competitive pie competitions in that crazy world. It's a really cool conversation. Here's Matt speaking with Nicole Rucker. Nicole Rucker, thank you for joining the Taste Podcast. Hello. Let's talk about the, you are a you have a green thumb. You love gardening. Oh, I don't love gardening. Okay. I love gardens. You love gar. Okay, that's, let's yeah. be clear. You love gardens. Do yeah. you go to the, have you been to the one in Pasadena? That amazing. Oh, yeah. Huntington? Huntington sure. Garden, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, Huntington Library. It's gorgeous. It's so beautiful. Why, so what draws you to gardens, not gardening? Well, I do enough manual labor in my daily life. Um, so it's not as enticing to me to like dig holes and things. Yeah. But also the my relationship with my husband, he does the gardening and I help with like picking out what we're going to eat in the oh, garden. Okay. So like he does all of the hard manual labor because he sits at a desk all day and he is a designer. And so oh. he loves that part of it. He has know. like really soft hands. Nah, nah. <laughs> he doesn't have soft hands because he does like CrossFit and he digs oh, oh. trenches okay. in his spare time, you know, like, so he's kind of a weekend warrior, but I see. so that part is really up to him. Uh, my part is like the intuitive wisdom mm. of like, uh, just knowing, Oh, that strawberry plant needs more of this, you know? But I think that's just part of something that's in me from like my family. My grandparents were very, very, very good gardeners. And that must translate to your to your cookbook that's coming up this fall, which yes. is about it's a fruit cookbook, a yes. fruit a desserts cookbook yeah. called yeah. Dappled. Yes, that's a, I love that name. First, what is Dappled? What Dappled is, is um, a pattern of light yes. or a pattern on like a horse um, can be dappled. Ah. Yeah, their fur if it has like spots of light over spots of dark is okay. dappled. So like when you're underneath a tree and the light comes through and it's in like a mottled like. It, it's like when the light comes through a tree and it's kind of like sparkling on the yeah. ground. That's what dappling is. Yeah. And it happens does, on fruit, too. So it happens on the skin of yeah. certain fruits. Stone like fruit in particular. Yeah, plums nectarines. are big dappled fruit. I think yeah. that's what I was thinking of plums. Like, wow. Yeah, <gasps> yeah. There's a good plum um, hybrid called dappled dandy. Pluot. Oh. I think it's a pluot. Yeah. 
Oh, Dappled Dandy, Shout out it's to a good one. Yeah, they're so good. So good. So tell me, I mean, you were in uh, California, which is that has the greatest mm-hmm. fruit in America. Mm-hmm. Um, did that inspire the, this book that mm-hmm. you're work, you worked on? And tell me a little bit more about um, why cooking with baking with fruit and doing fruit mm-hmm. pastry is so rad. So what the inspiration really comes from um, when I was a kid and I my parents were divorced and we moved house to house a lot because my family was pretty poor and uh, my grandparents always had a garden and uh, always had the ability to pull things from the backyard and just like make stuff. My family is Native American and Mexican and so we we're making fresh salsa every day and I just grew up around fresh chilies and strawberries everywhere and like just eating them straight off the vine, eating tomatoes like, you know, tomatoes like nobody else has, yeah, you know, yeah. just because they're outside your back door and they like reek of the oil that's on the leaves and stuff so it was kind of like in my brain from a young age but because I knew what that I knew what everything was back there as I got older and moved to San Francisco or like lived on my own I was always using that as a reference point wherever I went like oh there's an apple tree oh that person has a tangerine tree in their yard and it became like a way of mapping like emotional mapping I would say because like you drive through LA and you're on freeways as an adult, but like I'm like, oh, there's a fig tree on this side of the freeway right there. You spot those from the car. Heck yeah. And you think about fruit. I'm a terrible think- driver, probably. <laughs> you think I'm- about pastry. I don't think about pastry. I just yeah. think about like, you know, the things that are growing in between everything yeah. and like I just love spotting them and then I love um I love seeing them in people's yards and wondering if they use them and if they're inspired to use them and in my neighborhood and um, South LA, it used to be adjacent to the hugest mm-hmm. um, citrus grove. Uh, the, all of downtown LA mm-hmm. was a huge citrus grove yeah. hundreds of years ago, I think, 100 years ago or more. And so there's still trees left all over, and it just is like a part of the conversation that I have with the city as I drive around. So I am not a bummer in traffic. <laughs> I don't care about traffic no. at all. Um, I'm so used to it. And I drive around and sit there and, you know, it's like you just contemplate things. And then when you see a fig tree or you see like I, I, there's a fig tree on my way to work that I've been watching for years grow from the day they planted it to today. It's like massive, the size of an SUV, and it's a green striped tiger fig. And I see it every year blossom with like hundreds of figs and then the beetles come because the people in the house don't have time to pick so uh, my understanding about california is if you it is if the 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 fruit tree like the citrus tree the fig tree is on the side of the road Mm -hmm. you have the right to pick it is that yeah but also uh, like totally if it's hanging over a public walk where you can pick it ah that's the one that's the jam it's on the sidewalk right Right. yeah yeah, but this is in someone's front yard and i had been watching it for years so just this past summer i I saw the house was for sale, and so I went up to the door and knocked, and no one was there. I left a note and said, hey, oh. I really would like to pick these figs because you have a lot of beetles in your front yard, and they're just damaging it. And that person texted me and said, come pick any time. Oh. Yeah. She just texted me last week to say she moved, but she said, hey, I read your LA Times review, and um, that's so exciting, and like I'm so happy for you, and I'm going to come in, but I never met this person. So she connected the dots using the LA Times review. Well, she yeah. said, why do you want these figs? And I said, I'm oh, opening I a see, restaurant I and see. I just see them and like I have time right now and I'd like to pick them and help you because they're just dropping on the ground. So why not use them? And she was like, cool, do it. We had like a purely text message 
exchange. Yeah. It Sounds was really, really lovely, sweet. Literally sweet. Yeah. It's like an LA story type thing. Yeah. But like a new LA story. Oh, yeah. yeah. The next chapter. Yeah. Let's talk about that review. I think it's really uh, Bill Addison. It was his first review. He's the new restaurant critic, one of two new restaurant critics at the LA Times. And he picked your restaurant to go first. What was that process like for you? Um, well, the, he reviewed us after um, a month and a half of being open. So that's like a big like, uh, maybe give us a little more time. <laughs> well, no. I mean, mm. you want to be like, no, we're ready. But like the truth is you're not ready. And uh, you try and be as ready as possible. And most most reviewers would have waited a little bit longer. But he felt inspired to review us um the week before we knew we were getting reviewed was probably one of the saddest weeks i've ever experienced as a business owner because we were so behind on bill payment and we were so broke and like slow for dinner and it was like new year's and no one was coming in and it was like crying in my car when i got to work thinking like i'm gonna have to lay somebody off today like it was fucking depressing. You were like sweating your payroll? No, it was very sad. Every week it was just very sad. And then um, like probably at one of the saddest points, the general manager said Bill Addison is on the phone and I was like, no, he's not. You know, like, no, you're whatever, man. And uh, it turns out he was. And he called to say he was reviewing us and it went from being a sad uh, a sad week to being like, oh my gosh, like this is wait, he's choosing us and you know, we didn't – it was like 50-50. Sean, my chef, um, thought he was for sure going to review us because he had been there and we knew that he had been to the restaurant. So we thought maybe he would review us. But everybody else said, I don't think so. You know, maybe he's just a fan because mm-hmm. we all know he likes pie. Oh, yeah. So maybe he's just a fan and you know, maybe he's a regular. So you always like – on my side, I was like, oh, well, it's just a bakery and, like, you know, we're not ready yet, so he probably won't review us. But Sean was <laughs> like, he's making a statement. He's going to review mm-hmm. us. And, then, and it was a glowing review. Let's just say it. was very it. good. It was a very positive it review. It was very good. And the several things he brought up that were not as positive are all very valid points and have already been addressed. Yeah. 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 Like soup not being salty enough? Man, I get it. Yeah, like, yeah. Work on Let's put some more salt in the yeah. soup. <laughs> But um, let's talk about your relationship with with Sean, um, mm-hmm. your 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 co owner, your your yeah. partner. You have you you do a lot of the baking, and he does mm-hmm. the more of the savory side. Mm-hmm. But but it's unique in that you are both kind of cross referencing each other's cooking, right? Yes, yeah. Talk we about play, that. Sean and I are playing in a weird band um, where yeah. I am very much playing to him, especially in desserts. And uh, I know what Sean likes for dessert, and I. I ask him every day, you know, hey, what what flavor should the cream puff be today? Um, and sometimes we agree and sometimes we don't. But we can fight about it. Or it's not really a fight. You know, we can, like, go back and forth, discuss. But Sean is a very talented person and a very good friend of mine. And so I'm down for whatever he wants to make. And when we are cooking in the kitchen, he will... He will ask, hey, do you have an idea for a pomelo salad after he's already peeled all the pomelos the way that he wants to do them, which is like by hand peeling all the like the um, the fuzzy interior off of them so that you get like the individual granules of the pomelo. Like, I'm so lazy. Way. I do not do that when I'm peeling a pomelo. Yeah, he does it. He says most people don't. He went on a big thing yesterday. Most people don't. Most people just cut them. Do you see what I'm doing here? I'm hand. And I'm like, yes, Sean, I get it. <laughs> uh, 
but you know, then after he's done all of that work, he was like, "Hey, do you have an idea for a pomelo salad?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, I do. Let's let's do this, this, and this." So we go back and forth like that with a lot of the dishes on a daily yeah. basis because one person cannot. I don't. I don't think that one person has enough creative energy on a daily basis while working to like really do that. And that uh, is a really good point. I was talking to Akira Kudo from Combi, and he's mm-hmm. the same similar partnership. Mm-hmm. And you know, burnout is a huge issue in mm-hmm. kitchens, mm-hmm. and it seems like you're really addressing it. You know, first like by having the, this collaboration, it's like a smart modern way mm-hmm. to yeah. work. Yeah, I want to have a life, and Sean yeah. wants to have a life, and. We're willing to work. I mean, we both work in our kitchen because we laid off most of our staff. <laughs> oh, so you <laughs> ended airport. up doing that? Uh, well, yeah, we yeah. did. We had to to make it to make it work and and work lean for a while, which is a very thing. It's a thing that happens in most yep. restaurants, right? So Jean is there, and I am there. You know, Wednesday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. You know, I'm making dessert, and I'm also plating a crudo, and you know, he's cooking on the line. Mm-hmm. So. If we're going to run lean and we're also going to have lives, like we have to share the creative load and just go with it. Like last night I said, I want to do salted caramel. And he said, use the dehydrated black olives in the salted caramel because they're very salty. And I was like, cool, let's get weird. Let's do it. I wouldn't have thought of that on my own. What did you end up doing though? Oh, yeah, what I dish? did. It was what, very good. What dish? Oh, it was a cream puff with oh. salted caramel and citrus and dehydrated black olives. And we were just like having a weird fun moment. Yeah. And it was super delicious yeah. and surprising. So You say uh, your first cake was the worst cake you ever made. Yeah. What was that? <laughs> what was that cake? I love that. Bro. You're being honest. Like, <laughs> um, Well, the first cake I made... Well, we baked a lot with yeah, one of my yeah. grandmas. So, um, the first cake she allowed us to make by herself by ourselves was with Jiffy uh, box mix. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was kind of like batty a little bit, and we, she only had like one cornbread mix and one white cake mix, and mm. you know they're very easy instructions. So we just mixed the two together. There's <laughs> <laughs> different water levels, I'm sure. With I each don't cake. really know what was yeah. happening. I was probably like ten years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was bad, but we were so proud of it. My sister and I brought a slice to my grandpa and he took one bite and then went blah, (laughs) like spit it out. Um, and not, he didn't even try and like spare our feelings. He was like, this is terrible. (laughs) Um, so it was just bad. I think it was really bitter. Uh, I think that we probably used water um, and maybe it was supposed to be made with milk. I don't really know. I can't remember. Yeah. But I, I've made many really terrible cakes. Yeah. I've made many terrible things. I mean, that's part of the the process. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about your your um you competing in pie competitions. Mm-hmm. So that's you you traveled to mm-hmm. Orlando, Florida. Yeah. Um, this there's been several articles recently written about this this event. It's the National Championships of Pie Making, mm-hmm. and you won a blue ribbon. Mm-hmm. I did. I went to Florida and stayed in a, a like a family resort and baked a pie in a rental kitchen oven, and I won a blue ribbon several years ago. Gosh, I can't even remember what year it was. I feel like it was 2012 or 2013. So you can't, this isn't like bringing pies from your kitchen in your restaurant. You have to actually make them Well, fresh. I'm sure you could bring a pie through TSA, um, but it seems like I would want to make it fresh just because that's who I am, so I, I just do it. The first year that I went, it was a road trip, and we filmed it, and we made a little documentary out no. of it. And I brought along an oven with me. It was a Breville 
um, convection toaster oven. Shout out to Breville, yeah. greatest uh, up kitchen appliance. Those ever Aussies made. are really good with ele- electronics. Yeah, some yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean that toaster oven with convection setting is a that's a big it's an amazing oven. Um, so I used that to bake the pies. Um, you know, and you can bake one pie at a time. Mm-hmm. So it took a really long time. You have to make two. Um, for the competition, and it was really fun. We stayed up all night. I baked pies. We made a documentary of our yeah. road trip, eating pie. And then, um, luckily for us, I won a blue ribbon in the perfect pie category. Oh, my gosh, really? Yeah, it's called Whoa. Perfect Pie. I also had to submit an essay along with my pie, which was... I'm sure that was really great. I love writing an essay yeah. about an apple pie. Come on. Yeah. It's great. I wish I got to go to college. What was the thesis? What was the crux of this essay? It was why is your pie the perfect apple pie? And so, you know, (laughs) I got to wax poetic about blending four different kinds of apples and the kind of butter that I used Um. and like how I didn't want it to be too sweet. And I've tried to find that essay um, because I had to print it out in the hotel like business center and email it to myself. (laughs) It was really so I don't I can't find it. But I'm sure it was amazing. Oh, so it's lost into the world. Okay, I think it's lost. Okay, yeah. well that's okay. It's it's in lore now. Yeah, I think myth. I wrote it on my phone and mm-hmm. then emailed it to myself, and then I don't know where it went. But it won. What do you get when you win? You get a blue ribbon. You, you get, get nothing. <laughs> you get you get bragging rights, and I guess yeah. fame. Yeah, total um, fame. Yeah. I love how you on Instagram and in writing and you you shout out a lot of your colleagues in L.A. Mm-hmm. In, in the L.A. restaurant and cooking community. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to know I've been asking we've been doing some some recordings here in L.A. I would like to know like who is doing some cool shit right now. Like shout out some mm. of your people. Yeah. Um, I think so many people are doing cool things. Uh, sometimes it's hard to keep track of. I think that you're right to to. To bring up the guys from Combi, Akira and Nick, mm-hmm. and how they're, you know, smart enough to share the creative load and work together. And and um, the Sarahs at Kismet are also doing the same thing. And John and Vinny do the same thing. So we do have a trend with, like, doubling up. Um, I love what Ori does at Bestia with his wife and uh, at uh, Bavel. Um one of my favorite places to eat in L.A. is Porridge and Puffs. And I think that definitely L.A. is in a, a time of, like, comfort stuff right oh, okay. now. So we're kind of, like, doing a new comfort yeah. thing. And that's really unique for us right now. So anyone who's kind of, like, playing that song I think is is mm-hmm. really doing a great job. I love Smorgasburg Market. Oh, um, my. Me, too. I go every time. Specifically for Eric Black's pastrami, who's one of my colleagues. He actually is our bookkeeper. What's his name of his stand? His It's called Ugly Drum. Ugly Drum, right. Yeah. 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 He makes an amazing product in, the, in L.A., beautiful pastrami. He uses our bread. And he is just a great guy. He's a smart dude, and he's like one of our advisors in yeah. business, but also makes amazing food. I've had that. Have you had the Toto Verde? Um, oh, yeah. I, I love yeah. that so yeah. much. I used to be at Smorgasburg for a while, oh. um, so I got to try everything. And then if you're in Smorgasburg in downtown and you go outside of the gates, my friend Kuniko Yagi has a Japanese style fried chicken place that's right outside oh. across from in the where row. The, yeah, in the row. It's yeah. across from where the big tartine ship is. Uh-huh. And it's she's doing amazing things with fried chicken and traditional kind of like really beautiful Japanese sides, like a sweet potato 
salad with broccoli. It's just like really unique stuff. Yeah. But what about like K-Town, Mexican taquerias in South L.A.? Like Mm -hmm. where else are are you eating on your days off? I eat a lot at at Beverly Soon Tofu. It's very comforting to me. Um, On my days off, which I've had one so far, (laughs) I stayed home and made (laughs) made myself bacon and eggs. Um, But last night after work, my husband went and got me tacos from this place in front of the Food for Less. And Mm -hmm. I was just kind of like sitting there eating these tacos thinking like, man, at least so great. This place is so great that I can just eat these tacos right now in the middle of the night after work and just like great freaking salsas that are so great and wonderful and well seasoned and like the tortillas. I mean, everybody loves tire shop taqueria. I'm not as much of a taco head because I grew up with it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like it's just a it's like cereal to me. Yeah, you you you've made it in your life. Yeah. V- Vampiros though. Shout out to Vampiros. Yeah, I love Vampiros. You know, I love, you know, a tostada at um oh, I can't I'm blanking on the name, but there's this old school tostada place in on Hoover. Mm-hmm. Um it's named after a bull. I feel like it's like a mm-hmm. bullfighting theme. That place rules. Rad. I yeah. have to, I'm putting my hand over my heart and like beating it right now. Because like you I'm, love tacos I love so just much. L.A. Yeah. It's more the sentiment. Yeah. You said it was really beautiful what you just said. Yeah. I it's love a public that. service. Tacos ah. are a public service, I believe. And it's just part of our, you know, what is the equivalent? New York, it's pizza, right? And here it's tacos and everyone gets them. And it, that's just part of our lives. Nicole Rucker, thank you for joining the Taste Podcast. Thank you for having me. Here's Anna speaking with Deb Perlman. Deb, we have a question from a reader about canned tuna. Your challenge is to make a can of tuna into an exciting dinner. What would you cook? Okay, so it's really weird, and I'm going to have like 18 sub-references in this. But in 2004, the New York Times published this tuna salad composé, and it's this really weird tuna. You're supposed to use oil-packed tuna, but like we didn't have that around. We would just like add, you know, drain it and then like toss it with a good amount of olive oil. But it's this really weird tuna salad has like um, scallions and smoked almonds and like coarse mustard and a little balsamic in it and pepperoncini. And it's just really um, unusual. Oh, and fresh dill. <laughs> I love that. It's so weird, but everyone who has it is like, it's just such a neat thing. And it really packs up well for lunches and stuff. But what I think is really interesting is that the author of this, the person who wrote this article about these composed salads and these unusual tuna salads, is actually the guy who invented the Cosmopolitan, Toby um I'm going to say his last name, Cecchini, and he owns like Long Island Bar now. So it was just like this weird like New York thing. I was like, is that really his name on it? But it's the same guy. Most of his recipes are cocktails, but he's done a couple random articles with and these like And you still make this salad. tuna salad. I do. My husband loves it. And he just basically is in it for like the six pepperoncinis that you put in. Like I could put Absolutely. in like 12. Um, I like but... that it has some of the briny, crunchy characteristics of your average deli tuna salad. Exactly. Like with a few twists. I feel like it needs that. It's like much more vibrant and it's not like heavy and goopy at all. Thanks, Deb. The Taste Podcast is hosted by Matt Rodbard and me, Anna Hiesel. The show is produced by Gabrielle Lewis, studio recordings by Pat Stango, theme music by Steve Rydell. 
Interviews are recorded live at Books Are Magic in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn, and at Penguin Random House Studios in Manhattan. Visit Taste online at tastecooking.com. Thanks for listening.